Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So I want to read to you a story that is found in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 to 16. But I want you to hear what God has to say. And these principles are going to change and revolutionize your life. I promise you that. And it's not because they're mine, but they're because they're his. And he wants us to experience multiplication in our lives. You guys want multiplication? I know I do. And the more I can learn about that, the more I can experience it when I stay faithful to his word. And so this story is about Elijah and we just dedicated Elijah now we're going to dedicate Elijah in the scriptures to each of our hearts and we're going to ask that he would bless it as we would read it and this is what it says then the Lord said to Elijah I want you to go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon and I have instructed a widow there to feed you And so when he went to Zarephath, as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw that there was a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And she was going to get it. And he called to her and then says, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I do not have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour that is left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, I don't want you to be afraid. So he says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. And so she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. And there was always enough flour and olive oil in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Lord, bless the reading of your word to our hearts. It's a great story of how God provides, but it isn't starting off that way. It starts off as barrenness and scarcity for both Elijah and this widow. In fact, Elijah is in a bad place himself. 
he's in such a bad place that he actually comes from a place that was just barren and had no food. That God had to specifically provide for Elijah as his prophet. In fact, to the point where he had ravens bring him food day and night to provide for him. Elijah was being fed by the birds. Because if he wasn't, there wasn't anywhere where he could get the resources that he needed to live. And so not only was God providing for Elijah through the barrenness and the scarcity that he was experiencing in his own life, he now sends him to a town and to a widow who is not capable or able of providing for him, which is really strange because God sends Elijah into different circumstances where he promises to provide. And it's weird because in the moment in which this is happening, he's sending him to someone who obviously can't do it. God is promising to provide, but he can't do it. But I want us to understand what is happening in this story. And it's important for us to see that the place of barrenness and scarcity is not a problem for God. So when we find ourselves in that place where things are hard, where things are tight, where things are not easy to attain and to gather and to take care of our basic necessities and needs, I want you to understand this is not a problem for God. What God does for Elijah is that he uses nature and he feeds him even if he has to with the birds. He does whatever he's got to do to sustain his guy. He takes care of him. And I want you to know that God was going to do the same thing for you. This is not just a thing for Elijah. It's a thing for you. The second thing that he does is that he sends him into someone's house who is ready to die. And the weird thing is, is that God says, this woman, it's not her time to die. It's her time to now experience multiplication like never before. So I'm going to take you that I've been taking care of right up until this point, Elijah, and I'm going to send you into a place and I'm going to send you to a woman who believes that her time is up. And I'm going to ask that woman to take care of you. Because you guys both have experienced barrenness and you have both experienced scarcity. But I'm going to show you that I am a God that is a God of provision. And I'm going to provide not only for you, but I'm going to provide for her. And what's important is that God sends Elijah into circumstances where he has to depend on his promises. Now, I know that when we look at what we have, we can all get to a place of panic. And I'm telling you that there are times when, as a church, we have panicked. There are times when, in our personal lives, we have looked at what we have and we have panicked. There are times when you have looked at where you're at and what you're going through and the resources you have and you are panicking because you see the barrenness and the scarcity. But I want you to know that God is saying, I can send you and take care of you. I can bring you into places where they don't have more than you to provide for you. They even have less than you do. But here's the beautiful thing, that doesn't matter when you serve a God of multiplication. 
This widow says, I just have a little bit of flour left. I'm going to make our last meal. And my son and I, we're going to die. This is our last meal, and then we're going to die. And you're asking me to give you a portion of that? The little bit that I have left, you're asking me to give it to you? And so what God does is that he sends Elijah into this woman's life, and he tests our faith, all of our faith with her. Because we don't like the fact that Elijah goes from asking her for a bit of water, which she can supply, but then says, I want you to make your last meal, but I want you to make a small bread for me. And then he puts the words first. I don't want you to eat and then what's left over, give me some. I don't want you to make what you would normally make for yourselves out of everything that's left and then follow through on your plan and die, but I want you to give me the bread first. And what God does is that he puts us in a position where he asks us, am I still first in your life? Do you still believe and trust in me the way that I need you to? Are you still going to believe in my promises even when you're surrounded with barrenness and scarcity, when you're down to your last resources, when you are past the point of panic and you are now accepting that the rest of your life is going to be in the underworld, like you are so close to death that the last thing you are saying to the person who is a prophet of the Lord is, I'm gathering my sticks, I'm going to make a fire, I'm going to cook our last meal, and then we're going to die. This is a person who has resigned herself and her son's life to the reality that they are not going to live much longer. And what God does is that he brings us into a place where he shows us that God is always able to provide. And where do we see this? We see this even in how he provided for Elijah. We're going to put these, this verse up there. It says, Elijah is commanded, and this is God speaking to him. He says, I want you to hide yourself by the Wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, because this was the place where Elijah was going to have water. And then look what God does. He enlists ravens to bring the prophet bread and meat morning and evening. God was providing for him morning and evening and was giving him the water that he needed. And then God does this. He looks at this last supper in this woman's life and with her family. And we see that the verse says very clearly, I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I were going to die. And then Elijah finds the widow preparing this last meal. And I, I think about how God just has a way of entering our life at the last moment when we need him most, when we are most desperate. When it looks like the next moment is not going to be a good one for any one of us, God shows up and he intervenes. And so I want you to just set the foundation for what we're going to do next. And I wanted to share with you these three key principles. And here's the first one. 
I want you to always in your life, I want you to confront the conflict of the contradiction. There's always going to be a contradiction in your life. And the contradiction that Elijah faces is that when he finds himself in the desert, God tells him where he can find water, but then he sends birds to feed him bread and meat twice a day to sustain him and to get him to the next place of the journey, which is going to be this widow's house. And when he gets to the widow's house, he tells him something that he then is shocked by. When God sends Elijah out of that desert place where he's being fed by birds, and who knows what kind of mystery meat he had been eating, right? The raven was bringing him meat. Who knows what kind of meat it was, where this bird had found it, but it was enough for him to live on and to survive. So when he sends him to the widow's house, I want you to think of this, wouldn't you expect the widow to be able to have more than enough to be able to give Elijah what he needed. But the contradiction is, Elijah is sent to a woman who's cooking her last meal and expects to die. And I want you to think that sometimes this is how we think God works, and the only way we think he works. We always think that the next step in our journey is going to have to be an encounter with abundance. But the next step in Elijah's life is not an encounter with abundance, it's an encounter with scarcity, desperation, and imminent death. And so we would think that in that moment, the only thing that God can do is lead us to a place where there's plenty so that we can experience plenty. But what God does is that he shows us that it doesn't matter where he leads us. Of course it does. Everything is important. But it doesn't matter what that place looks like. Of course it does because in our eyes, well, it has to be a lot for it to work. It doesn't matter what happens next. Well, of course it does because we're desperate in that moment. But what God is ultimately teaching all of us is this, is that what are we going to rely on? His word, which tells us where to go? Or our eyes and our ears, which are telling us what we see and what we hear? And I will tell you that your eyes will contradict the promises of God your ears will contradict the promises of God. The people that we've been sent to will contradict the promises of God, but it doesn't change the promise of God. It doesn't change it. The promise of God remains true. And this is what happens with Elijah. He hears a woman who's saying, I am gathering my last sticks. I'm about to make a fire, and I'm about to cook food, 
we're about to eat it, we're about to die. That's it. In that moment, Elijah could have said, God, where have you sent me? This makes no sense. Why would you lead me to this poor woman's house? Why would you force her to make me bread when she doesn't even have enough for herself? But what Elijah does is that he follows through on what God has told him to do. And that is, he was told, go to the widow's house. She's going to make you some bread. You are going to eat there. And so he says to her, listen, this is a test for both of us. Go and make the bread. Do as you have said. But I want you to make me the bread first. Because Elijah in that moment is confronting the conflict of the contradiction. Can we say amen to that? So come on, let's, let's, let's think about where there is a contradiction in our life right now. Think about what it is that we wanted to see and the opposite has happened. Think about what just occurred, what's been happening, and the signs that are telling us that things are not going to get better. There is a contradiction that we are faced with that we are not going to be able to understand unless we experience the multiplication that God has shown us through this important principle. We have to confront the contradiction. And in the midst of that contradiction, what is God going to do? Well, he's going to give us an opportunity to act. And so the action that Elijah has to take is that he has to push the woman to do something that she is not ready or willing to do. And that is give up some of her last meal. And what does the woman have to do? The woman has to go and make it. And she has to go and make a meal, her last one, and give a portion of it to the prophet. These are contradictions for both of them because what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what they're experiencing is very different and they cannot reconcile it with what God has said. And this woman has already given up on God. She's already ready to die. And Elijah's pretty darn close to it himself. And when Elijah's eyes see scarcity, what does he do instead? Well. Elijah speaks abundance. And this is how we are going to contradict what is happening in our lives when we see and hear something completely different. We are going to have to speak God's word into our situation. We have to stand on the promise of God. And that's why this verse is so important. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. God is saying through the prophet to the woman the encouragement that she needs to hear. She's saying, I'm going to go and do what you're saying, and I guess it doesn't matter because I guess we're all going to die. And, and then Elijah comes to her and says, no, you don't understand what's going to happen here. The flour and the oil, they are never going to run out. And then something else is going to happen. The famine will be over. It's going to rain. And when it does, the crops are going to grow again. And you will have enough, not just for today, you will have enough for your future. Can we say amen to that? 
So God is not only taking care of the need today, but he's looking out for this family for the future to come. He's not just saying, speak into this moment, give us today our daily bread, which God will do, but he's also going to give them a harvest from the crops that are going to grow again. And that harvest is going to bring the abundance that they were not experiencing in this moment. So God does two things. One is that he meets our need in the moment, but then he also brings us to a place where we realize that abundance is coming. And so when I pray for multiplication in my life, I say, God, I know you are not only meeting my need today, but you are preparing me for the abundance of tomorrow. You are not just meeting the need here in this moment, but you have already provided abundance for every moment that will follow. And you have got to think this way. You've got to speak this way. You've got to proclaim this over your situation, over your life. And this brings us to the second principle. You have to confront the fear of desolation, and you have to confront the fear of death. It isn't just confronting the contradiction. It's about confronting the desolation and the death. And this is what Elijah is helping this woman do. And this is what he says in verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've said. And so the encouragement from God is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so there is this understanding that when we face a situation that is beyond our control, that's when we're afraid. We're, we're not going to be afraid if we still have hope. We're, we're not going to be afraid if we still think that things can work out for our best. We're going to be fearful and we're going to see nothing but desolation if we believe that God has somehow lifted his hand of blessing from our lives. And so the second principle here is a very important one. We have to confront the fear of desolation and death. And so what Elijah does, he goes right to the heart of the matter. He goes right to the heart of this woman's life. And he says to her, don't be afraid. I want you to don't be afraid. Go and do what it is that you need to do. The third principle is to confront the new reality Confront this new reality with the scarcity that you have. So what this woman has is just a little bit. And so God is asking you, will you face this new reality with the scarcity of what you have? Not of what you don't have, but of what you do have. And so the idea here is very simple. Death is going to be swallowed up with promise only if you give what you have to God first. You have to give what you have to God first. And this principle is seen throughout the scriptures. What we are used to doing and this is why we don't experience multiplication, is that we give to God after. 
we don't give to God first. We give to God afterwards. We don't give to God when we haven't used any of it up. We give to God after we've gone into it, and then we have what is left over. And out of what is left over, we give that to God. And then when we give that to God, we say, God bless it. And you know what? God in his love and his grace, he blesses us. I believe it. But I don't want you to just experience blessing. I want you to have favor. I don't want you to just experience a blessing when God is promising you abundance. I don't want you to just go around saying God has provided for me daily when he can give you multiplication that can take care of you and the generations to come. You see, God didn't just meet the widow's need in that day. He was going to meet the need in her life through the return of rain and through the prosperity of her crops. What God promises isn't just to take care of us today. He promises to take care of us every day for generations to come. Can we say amen to that? And so if you can grasp this in your own life, and it's not going to be easy. I know it's not. It took me a while to be able to implement this in my own spiritual journey. But giving to God first is what brings multiplication. If you don't give to God first, you are not going to experience it. If the widow had just said, I'm going to go and cook my last meal, and I'll see what it is that we decide to give you. But Elijah says, don't do it that way. Make me the bread first. Because in that moment, she wasn't giving the bread to Elijah. She was giving it to God. And in that moment, when she gave that bread to God, God blessed her beyond measure. And so these principles are so important for us to be able to experience the multiplication. We have to, number one, we have to confront the contradiction. Why is God bringing me to a place of poverty, a place of desolation, a place where a widow doesn't have what she needs for her own life? How could she possibly give me any? That's a contradiction. It's like, God, what are you doing? Why would you put me here? Why would you show me this? Why would you put this woman in this position? Why would you put me in such an awkward place as your servant to be here asking this poor lady who doesn't have enough for her? Why would you do that? And God says, there is something to be learned here and experienced for both of you, and I want you to both leave this place of scarcity and enter into a place of abundance. Trust me. Believe in my promise. And that's what they did. They believed in God's promise, and then he confronted that contradiction. They confronted that fear of death, and they confronted the reality of having so little that we think that there can possibly be nothing that could be done with this. But God took it, and he blessed it, and he did something amazing with it. And so I want you to think of your own life right now, and, and I want you to take the little bit that you do have in your hands, 
And I want you to surrender that to God. Give it to Him first. I want you to trust God's promises above all else. And I want you to believe in these principles the way that God has outlined them for us so that we, in the moments when we are living similar circumstances, God can bring them back to our minds and back to our memories and we can put them into practice so we can experience multiplication. And so Lord, as we come before you and as we ask that you would bless our lives, we know that you are a God who already wants to do that. The message that we have heard today is not a, a message about not having suffering in our lives because your servant suffered, this widow and her son suffered, but what you did is that you provided in their suffering, but then you also brought them to a place where they could experience abundance through your multiplication. You showed them how to get there through the principles that you have shared with us. And Lord, you know where in our lives we're not doing what you have promised, where we are not putting you first the way that we should, where we are not experiencing the multiplication, the way that you desire it for our lives. And so I pray, Lord, that whatever bonds are keeping us, whatever binds us in this moment, that those would be removed so that we could experience the abundance that you have promised through your word, that we would confront that with your truth and experience something new and powerful for each of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.